0: i'm jason sylvia and this is the creative capital show a show about creative people and how those creative people turn into entrepreneurs by taking their creativity and turning it into a business and facing all the trials and tribulations along the way When we think of photography, we at times tend to think of fashion magazines, journalism, weddings, or street photography. But how often do we think about photography as a means of self-expression, an artistic medium, a political tool, or a catalyst for change? Well, one person thought about all of that and more. This episode's guest, Kanitha Brown. Kanitha's photographic work is social commentary, self-expression, and at the same time, a reflection of her own upbringing. In this episode, I sit down with Kanitha and talk about photography as fine art, how artistic mediums can bring empowerment, why representation is important, why film must be preserved, why certain photographic formats have a political history, shooting for Rolling Stone, and being an award-winning photographer at the age of 22. How you doing?
1: I'm great. How are you?
0: It's hot as unholy hell outside. Yeah, I was
1: gonna say that.
0: <laughs> it, 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 but we're thank you for booking this library.
1: Yep. <laughs> and we're in
0: a nice air conditioned room, so I guess we can't complain too much. No. But I, did, if you, I don't know. I'm not gonna get it political, but if you're if you're gonna deny global warming's a thing, I know. After t- I I don't know what else to say. Yeah. but we're not talking about that today. We're gonna talk about some other stuff though.
2: Cool.
0: <laughs> uh, we're gonna talk about you. And actually, let's start off, um, if, you know, if somebody's, you know, for, if for whatever reason you clicked on this show and you didn't read the title card or just like, you know, you just clicked and didn't think about it um, and didn't read anything on the episode intro or didn't listen to the episode intro, <laughs> first off, why are you listening to this now? But secondly, <laughs> they, if that person, if you, they didn't know who you were, could you give us a little quick introduction?
1: Sure. Uh, my name's Kenitha. I'm 22. I go to Mass Art in Boston for photography. Um, I live in Providence, and I'm a photographer. I've worked with clients such as Rolling Stone, um, Balesa, and Parade, and my fine artwork deals with um, gender and race mostly, and yeah.
0: We're going to get into all of that, because this is going to be the feel-good comedic episode. (laughs) And uh, that was sarcasm, people. (laughs) Yeah. It's not going to be a downer. I'm just just saying this. We're going to deal with some heavy stuff. Um, as, as there's, ch- if you can hear it, possibly children in the background, I didn't, Sorry. Put that, no, no, I didn't put that there as a sound effect. People have somebody's like, oh, wow. He's like getting real surreal on, on the sound effects <laughs> put in the background. That wasn't me. That that was just really ironic timing. Anyway. Um, so here's the first thing I want to ask you. And, 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 you know, on this show, I don't go really go in chronological order with questions. It's more just to kind of get, get the story of you going. Um so we're going to come out the gate uh pretty strong with this one. Um tell me, what came first? Cuz I noticed like if somebody goes on to like your I think like your linktree page like from your Instagram, mm-hmm. it says uh, like f- either photographer and activist or like artist and activist. Mm-hmm. So what came first? The art or the activism?
1: Um I would say that the art did come first, but my Personality has always been very outwardly activist, if that makes sense. And when I discovered that art has the power to influence a lot of change that can provide support for a lot of unsupported people, then I started to melt the two. But for a while, like when I was a kid, it was mostly just this is something I like to do. And it wasn't until... um I really started to understand what politics were maybe around the 2016 elections. That's when things started to become really evident in my personality on how passionate I am about topics like this.
0: And so just going along with that, um, because I think it's interesting, like, you know, photography was not the first artistic medium that you were involved in because you were, a dancer and an actress for like 15 years. And so you were doing that was the like the activist part of you part of that time as well or was the activist part of you was when you found photography? And can you talk about just um the act being an actress and dancing mm-hmm. and how that's informed you know the stuff you do
1: now? Absolutely. So Um, I couldn't really find uh, any ways to incorporate activism in dancing or acting. Um, That was just a part of my personality that was separate from that. And there wasn't really a place for that anywhere um, because I do come from a very conservative household. Um, So dancing and acting was my outlet. And it was mostly because I liked being in charge of creating things, if that made sense. Like, I really liked choreographing and directing things and then I started to bring that into photography which is basically just it it is kind of like painting because you're just like making these scenes for the camera or capturing scenes that are already there if that makes sense.
0: So just to side this is it's not one of the original questions I had but yeah. I think it's interesting when you said um you grew up in a more conservative household um but then again you're you know doing the acting and the dancing thing uh, were your parents more? Because I think it's interesting when people, some people are like, "Hey, my parents supported my art," and, and my, and like, mm-hmm. or conversely, they're like, "My parents think I'm not going to make any money at this," and they were completely against it. Yeah. Um, were they more supportive? Because you were doing it for so long. I'm assuming they were supportive of of the art, and they were just like, "Hey, that's that's your thing," or was, or did they have some reservations about it?
1: Um, I think that uh, there was more reservations coming from my mom's side for the majority of my life. Um, and I know now as, um, a young adult that it comes from a place of like concern for me. Um, but I took a gap year after I graduated high school because I knew that I wanted to be a photographer, but I didn't really know anything about going to school for that. And I already like was going to go somewhere else for something else. And, um, like that was probably like the worst time for my mom and I's relationship, if that makes sense. Um, Like it wasn't. Yeah, I just I don't think she really understood uh, that you could turn photography into a career because she's an immigrant. And that's like totally understandable. But everything that I love about photography was I don't even think that I learned it. It's passed through my blood. Like my mom is an incredible photographer. Um, So like it's like even at my Cortland show a couple of weeks ago, like I got her there and I'm starting to get her like involved to understand things more. But I think that there's still a little bit of hesitation on her end that, um, like wondering if I can make money from this.
0: And I'm, I'm glad you brought those things up early because that's kind of the, I want to say kind of, that's like one of the core things of the show is like balancing the creative and the money. And we're definitely going to get into that, but I'm also glad you mentioned your mom. Um, Because, and correct me if I'm wrong, Mm -hmm. uh, she, like you're saying, you you know, you. I think you you just said you loved her photography. Um, She was documenting her experiences of coming over here from Cambodia, if I'm not mistaken, in her 20s and 30s. Um, Is that one of the things that made you choose photography as your medium? And... What was it like discovering those photographs cuz like you said conservative household concerns about how can you make money off of it and then you're like oh damn i like i didn't know my mom did this so was it finding that your mom did it seeing her photograph her her photography which made you want to go into photography yourself or was it you were already wanting to go into photography you saw her stuff and that made you want to pursue it more
1: um in a way it was like Kind of both because I didn't like realize until later that I had seen it and that's what I wanted. But for a while, it was just like I was just kind of coasting. I knew that film and photography was like something that interested me. And then as I got older, I understood that it was because um, I grew up surrounded by her photographs. And that's primarily why I got into film photography was because that's what she was doing. And um, I wanted really badly for my photos to emulate similar aesthetics and like feelings from her pictures. Um so yeah, I think analog is in our blood. Her, my grandma, um, and I all um are obsessed with it.
0: So and you're you're still at MassArt, right? Yes. Graduating yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um what made you because we were you had briefly touched upon this and I think it was something that yeah, is a good segue into this question. What made you go the route of mass art and going to school. Cause I had read in, it, in another interview that, you know, and you were mentioning you took the gap year, but like you really didn't like school. So mm-hmm. it's interesting. Somebody who really didn't like school took yeah. a gap year to go away from it, you know, yeah. and, is, and is wondering, you know, um, can I, can I really make money at this thing that I love? Like realistically, like, can I survive yeah. off of it? Hey, let's invest money into it and go to school. Yeah. And even though I hate yeah. school. So what made you go the route of, um, you know, mass art versus um you know, trying to learn on your own or just mm-hmm. like let hey, I me mean, just pick up a camera, start shooting and see what happens.
1: Yeah. So um I haven't been this transparent in like any interviews, but I'm gonna be transparent that the reason why I ended up not continuing the gap year and just staying out of school is because um I've said before that I needed direction, but I was also just like very mentally ill. Like I didn't have any sort of direction which made things worse. And I figured out that going to school was going to pull me out of that mental space. I was fully intent of leaving after the first year because I had this like weird stubbornness to myself where I was like, I'm going to hate it. It's not going to help my mental whatever. And it ended up helping despite half of my um, freshman year being in person and the rest COVID happened and I was home for about a year and a half doing school online. Um, it like master ended up like literally being an incredible experience for me. Um, the first year was obviously rough because it's like, you don't do photography your first year. You do like standard foundation classes. Um, but I knew that there was connections to be made and things to learn there that I wasn't going to have access to anywhere else. And For some of the jobs that I had, having the MassArt name on my resume was helping. Or just having a school there, honestly, was helping. Um, I could have gone anywhere else. I could have gone to RISD. I live right down the street, but it is expensive. Um, And ultimately, like, Art was cheaper. It was more like the people were more down to earth. And I just, like, realized all of the potential that my art had and, like, learned what photography even was um, at this school. What do
0: you think the benefits are? Because I think there is pros and cons to, like, right. you know, like you like you're mentioning with RISD, right? RISD is expensive, so not everybody has
2: mm-hmm. the
0: money to pay for any college, whether yeah. it be a community college, RISD, yeah. MassArt, et cetera. Um, so, you know, there's that benefit of when you just do it yourself, mm-hmm. just learning as you go. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's benefits of being out of school, even with the unconventional school experience, because right? COVID interrupted that, right? Yeah there is kind of like a community with your classmates and like you have people to guide you, you can ask questions, things of that nature. So at least for you, cause you're saying it did pull you out of like a bad mental state. Yeah. What were the benefits of um, the college experience? Mm-hmm. And have you ever thought what it, what it would have been like pro or con wise if mm-hmm. you just picked up a camera and started shooting and instead of going to school.
1: So that's, so picking up a camera and doing it myself was basically what I set my mind to during the gap year. It's how I made my connections. It's how I grew my Instagram following, um, all of that kind of stuff that all happened during the gap year. And that's why I would suggest that at some point, whether you're a student or not, to at least have like a semester's worth of time where you are focusing like on your craft like a lot. You can still be working or going to school but, or you could even like do a gap year, but I feel like having the time to really focus on it is important for any artist. Um, but there's also like, like you said, there's downsides and good things about college. Like it's expensive. Um, and also like, I don't know. Um, it might not be for everybody. Um, but art school, like for me, it was just, yeah, I don't know. It helped. I I really don't know how else to describe it, but it helped. It helped me make, um, connections and learn more about the medium and really, like, allowed me to realize my potential as an artist. Um, But then again, like, there's some stuff that I'm not being taught at school, like, business side of photography, that's something I had to teach to myself completely.
0: And I definitely want to get into that in a a little bit. And it's it's why this podcast exists, everybody. Yeah, Yeah. Well, it's one of the reasons. Um, I do have a question on trying to figure out the, the right way to, to word this. Cause I think there is some nuance to it mm-hmm. um, in, in the, in the essence of like bettering your skills. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think with your particular type of photography, it does lean more on the creative rather than maybe like the commercials type types. And I want to ask about that too. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you balance or what advice would you give to balance the technical skills? Like, know sharpening the sword so to speak and just getting those skills down versus furthering the creative because there's got to be a balance there and is there ever has there ever been times where you're leaning in one and then the other one kind of falls and then you have to rebalance Uh, i've always been interested in that where it's like how do you balance like i need to learn these technical techniques to make the art better but then also like can can they be hindrances like how do you balance that yourself
1: yeah i would say that like um i feel like the only way to get technically and creatively better is to just keep practicing both at the same time Um, but when I like am in school I don't really make money off commercial stuff because my head is so far deep in like the creative stuff Um, so it's like it's a tough question like it's hard yeah I don't know yeah
0: so I do have a question about you know you're talking about like how you're into the analog right and you're into film that Mm -hmm. is your chosen medium and there is Different types of photography can be film, digital, etc. Did that passion for specifically film photography? Did that happen before school? Did that happen during your time in school? Was it amplified during your time in school? Could you talk about that a little bit? Because you know, a lot of um, other interviews I've read, and just even with the projects that you put out, there is an emphasis on film, and you even did a talk. Uh, I think you're a panelist on, you know, preserving film Mm -hmm. and it's really important to you. Can you just uh, go through like the origins of of why that is?
1: Yeah. So um, when I came to MassArt, I had maybe like a 10% interest in film only because I didn't know how to like access it or how to use it. Um, But I knew that the majority of the photographers I was looking at were using film. Um, And then once I got into my sophomore year, and I learned that we would be doing film and whatnot, um, my interest really sparked, and I realized I had the resources to just start learning. Um, unfortunately, we did like have to take out a semester of film because of COVID, and they turned it digital, so I took that semester to teach myself exactly what I wasn't going to be learning. Um, but yeah.
0: And uh, I'm going to get a bit specific. All right, this this is the War moment here, people. Um, I'm gonna get a bit specific. I'm yep. glad you're laughing and like and because some people don't know. No, get that I know exactly what you mean. Um that love of film, um, mm-hmm. and then from the photographers that that you you know looked up to. Um could you tell me more about uh, the show Fall River
1: Boys? Okay, Fall River Boys wasn't yeah, so there was a show and then there was like a book, oh, and okay. it was like, yeah, so basically Fall River Boys by Richard Rinaldi was, I'm not sure how long the project went on, but it was a long time. And it was in the early 2000s. And it was this epic project where Richard went to Fall River and photographed young men on the street. Um, And this project, like, absolutely blew my mind. Um, It was shot on large format black and white film which I knew I was going to be learning in the semester following when I saw this exhibition. Um, I followed the Fall River Museum of Contemporary Art on Instagram and I saw that they were showing um, this project so I like grabbed one of my professors and I was like we have to go see this and seeing the prints in real life was incredible Um, and I just realized that no one was like there was a lot more representation in the large format film community of white communities. So I was like, we need to get more representation for Asian people in this medium and tell their stories within their own cities and communities. So that's exactly what I did when I realized that I had the power to do that and there was no time to question my ability. I just like threw myself into it, if that makes sense.
0: And I want to touch upon couple of couple of things you just mentioned and some questions that are going to be further out um one thing i want to ask you when you're saying trusting your abilities and, and pushing yourself into because i think it perfectly leads to this question um can you go through either because uh, i'm curious was there either like your first exhibition or like your first commercial project or your first paid project and like can you walk me through what that was like just that entire process and that, how all that worked
1: Um, yeah,
3: I think maybe, sorry, I'm thinking we might have to cut this out. Um,
1: I don't know. I guess I started doing all of this so young that I had to trust my gut with anything and just kind of risk a lot of things when accepting jobs like Rolling Stone. My first job with them happened when I was nineteen and I didn't like know anything. I just knew how to take pictures.
0: Was that like the first commercial job? Was it Rolling Stone?
1: I would say the first big commercial job. I can't like think off the top of my head. Gotcha. But I know that there was it's plenty pretty of pretty big like, first one. Yeah, like, there like, yeah, like no big deal. Little, it's just Rolling
0: Stone, you little, know.
1: Like brands and yeah. stuff before that, but that was that was a big deal for me. And I just kind of like acted like I knew what I was doing on the phone with them and then just was like, all right, let's go. Did
0: they reach out to you? Did you reach out to them? Really? Um, They reached out to you? How did, how did they find, how did they find out about you?
1: All of my huge jobs come through Instagram. Like Instagram hashtags work for me. They work for a lot of photographers. Um, And if you like really specify in hashtags, like where you are and what you do, like Providence photographer, um, it'll be really easy for Like casting agents or photo editors to find you
0: and so quick quick side question before Mm -hmm. i i I really do want want you to walk through like just what that whole experience was like like that first big commercial job um but quick side question do you think um do you think there's an importance on like the way somebody promotes themselves and their work and like the platform they choose like right because like you said instagram which makes sense Um, at least before, who knows now with the way Facebook is running it, but (laughs) before, in its inception, Instagram was and still is to a degree. It's getting to look more like TikTok for better or worse. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, A social media platform and a way for photographers to put the stuff out. Um, You know, and you have your website and things like that. So just to get a little bit more in the tactical, Mm -hmm. um, you know, what made you choose uh, Instagram besides some of the reasons I noted over like maybe a Pinterest and then like you know, how did you go about choosing your website and how you structured it and like what you wanted to show and things of that nature? Because I think that is a a tactical thing that's not everybody thinks about sometimes no matter what their medium is.
1: Yeah, I think Instagram was the right thing for me because it was what everybody else is doing. Um, I found that uh, the photographers that I looked up to before I even got into all of this use their Instagram as like a secondary or for some a primary portfolio. Um, The cool thing about it, As much as it's, like, tedious and annoying to deal with, the cool thing is people can, like, directly contact you and, like, uh, have all of your work at their fingertips, which is something that people at Rolling Stone or whoever don't have the time to go look up your website and, like, figure out X, Y, and Z. Like, Instagram is really easy for them. Um, And they also can see, like, who you're connected with and blah, blah, blah. With my website... um, I use Squarespace. It's like pretty typical for a photographer. There's like stuff that I don't like about it, but um, it's like the most standard, easy thing for me to use that like I feel like will like uh, appeal to photo editors and stuff.
0: Are you looking into like other platforms at all or are you like watching like what's like, you know, I just made that joke about Instagram looking like TikTok, but it is happening. Mm -hmm. Is there anything in the back of your mind that's like, oh, I have this website and I have this, but I'm going to have to start like looking at other platforms or at least thinking about how I'm going to like port stuff over. Or is that not mm-hmm. entered your head yet?
1: Um, TikTok was like on my mind for like two seconds. And then I just kind of realized that like not, not to be harsh, but I do feel like TikTok has the ability to skyrocket artists into the spotlight that haven't worked nearly as hard as the rest of us (laughs) to be completely honest um and it's frustrating so I just kind of realized like TikTok photography accounts like they do uh allow photographers to get a lot more jobs and exposure but at the same time like it's not really where I want to be getting the work that I want if that makes sense
0: or like the work that you're trying to get yes. is um, is not, maybe not there. At yeah. least not right now. Yeah. Um, it's going to lead into another question I have. But uh, go back to what we were saying, that, that Rolling Stone being that first big commercial job, can you just walk through the entire process? And I mean from like, they reach out to you?
1: Mm-hmm. What
0: were those conversations? Wh- 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 what were those like? How were you feeling? How did they explain the job to you? what information you had to give them going through the job, and then how did you get paid? Like, that mm-hmm. whole thing. If you could walk through that, I think that would be... I think that'd be a good story there, and I think that'd be beneficial yeah. to anybody listening to this.
1: Yeah. Um, it's definitely, like... I think just the the name of the client puts a lot more stress on it than it actually, like, was, if that makes sense. Like, it was really easy every time that I worked with them. Basically, I got an email from one of their photo editors. Um, she asked if this is the one thing that you're going to get when you do editorial work, they'll ask you the week of, if you can come in and do the, the shoot, unless it's like maybe for a cover or something, you might have a little more leeway in time. Um, but I'm pretty sure every single time I've worked with them, it's been two days before, or a week before the week of whatever. Um, but I got contacted, asked to hop on a phone call um discussed basically what they were looking for um it was great the photo editor was really nice and like really complimentary of my work which i was really surprised about um because some photo editors can just like want someone and not really care like who it is or whatever um so yeah it was like great working with them we got set up with a music group to do a little editorial on them for web and print um what was the the music group um, I don't know how to pronounce their name, but it's like Anjum, Anjumil, Um, this Boston folk musician, I believe. And then the other ones were not with musicians. It was with like certain public figures. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: Um, was that for you? Because you were talking about how, you know, your mom had, the con- had a concern for mm-hmm. you. Like, hey, can you really make money off this dot, dot, dot. Was that that first big commercial like Rolling Stone reaching out to you and then um, oh real quick how did yeah. you get paid like did you have to oh, provide yeah. them like um, or did you have to set yourself up as like uh, as like an LLC or a contract or how did you go about uh, that did they did they tell you like hey we like are you an LLC or are you a general contractor like what is so they can pay you correctly
1: yeah. Um, every job that I've had has been just me being an independent contractor. It's basically like any other job you get like the W9 or whatever. Um, some jobs I've had, they like have me input my information into a system and I get paid, um, through that way. But it's, it's really just like a regular job. It's either direct deposit or you get a check and that's, that's it. If that answers it.
0: Are you paid like weeks after the shoot or. Yeah.
1: That's the annoying thing about freelancing. It's usually net 30. So you have to wait for a little while for the check to be processed and then for it to arrive
0: so like you know you have money coming in but it may, yeah may, it may be after <laughs> yeah like it may be after when the bills are due so you gotta like balance yeah. that out yeah. gotcha um and also another just quick side question mm-hmm. um because i think this might be good from a tactical standpoint mm-hmm. uh are you set up at yourself as like an llc like a limited liability company mm-hmm. I, I see you nodding your head yeah no um, no no, no. Oh, no you're i'm not? just like okay.
1: nodding. Um, oh. Yeah, so I'm working on figuring that out right now. I'm still an independent, sole proprietor, whatever it's called. Um, but I am interested now in becoming an LLC or something else because I'm making more money than like a sole proprietor should be. If that makes sense. For some of the jobs, like it might look weird. My you, dad said. Do
0: but, do, you, do you mind putting a dollar figure on that, or do you not want to?
1: Yeah. That? Um. So. I mean, I don't know if I feel comfortable.
2: But, oh, <laughs> but, don't but pressure, it's Yeah, I do no, no, Yeah,
1: I'm just saying, like, uh, some of the recent jobs that I've had, I realize where the money is, if that makes sense. <laughs> so there you go.
0: I want you to hold on to that thought. Yes. So many, so many segues to so many things. Yeah. And, and also, I um, know since you're trying to try and set yourself up as an LLC, maybe it's a good test run for uh, Liz Tanner if you're listening to this. <laughs> I know you were trying to make it easier to get an l l c. set up. Yes. I may have to we you know pair once, us up yeah, no, I was gonna say once once that project is done and you know that overhaul happens, yeah, or maybe we should do it as a test run now i may I may be, you know my guest here we may we may actually just do a run through we'll we'll see Liz we're gonna be reaching out to you I if, need it, help. if it's a pain in the butt, yeah, just saying just saying, see how it you see how I tie in all the episodes? I really don't that that Genius. was actually just yeah that i'd like to th- I like to think so, but um. <laughs> no not far far from it anyway um i'm glad you had mentioned a couple of those things um realizing where the money is and things of that nature uh so one thing was that rolling like that that first bigger commercial project was that a moment for you where it was like oh wow I i can make a living off of this. Was Mm -hmm. that like the aha moment or was there a different moment where where you're like that light went off? Because I think for everybody, it's, it's different.
1: So the second time I shot for Rolling Stone was when the light went off for like, oh, I know what I'm doing and these people like me enough to ask me to come back. But then like recently with some of the other jobs that I've had, I was like, oh, I can survive. I can make a living off of this screw all the people that told me otherwise I've got lots of tea on that <laughs> but yeah
2: I mean
0: feel free to spill it here
1: if you want <laughs> I mean I can't but it might off. take a long time I'll say I'll say one thing um being a woman in this industry is really tough I had a male boss for a little while that I was assisting hope he doesn't see this <laughs> but he yeah he basically told me that everything I was doing had no market he was saying that pictures of chicks and whatever like are not going to appeal to anybody and i got hired to do exactly that and was making as much money as he bragged to me that he made so yeah that's been like my aha moment recently where i'm just like i can do this um but the rolling stone thing definitely like i cried the second time i was like wait like people like me and i'm doing a good job so
0: so actually speaking of that Mm -hmm. um what was that was that what made you, or is that a catalyst for you picking like commercial editorial, fine art style of photography versus like doing other types of photography that may or may not make more money. And the reason why I say may or may not is, um, having this conversation with, um, you know, a guest on the show who's also a photographer, Mm -hmm. uh, Brittany Taylor. And it was interesting, you know, um, Hearing her, you know, information and opinions on things like these higher, ma- these higher end magazines, these really like nice yeah. fashion mags. Like, you think with the prestige of that name, like they're paying no, the photographers no, this crazy no, amount of money. I did not
1: get paid that much. At and, Rolling and, Stone, and, and yeah. so like, and, and like, it's, like a lot, but not a lot. But
0: it's not like what maybe the general public would perceive because it's just like they hear that name, like like a Rolling Stone or a yeah. Vogue, which I think you shot for. for yeah, right. Yeah. And so it's interesting that like you know public perception. Oh, you must be, you must be, you know, just like, you've got the bag, right? And it's like, no, it's not really like that. Mm -hmm. So, um, so knowing that, was it, did you have a conscious decision before the Rolling Stone gig? Like, I'm going to do commercial, fine art, editorial or were you just naturally leaning more towards that anyway? Like, mm-hmm. you know, and why those areas? Because there's different types. There's street photography, yeah, right? There's, yeah. fast, there's strictly fashion photography. There's wedding photography. Which right, from makes what, a lot
1: of money. Then, yeah. And
0: that's what Brittany said also, yeah. like, you know. My friend uh, like, just
1: bought a house off wedding like, photography. Like, <laughs> you know, wedding
0: photography. So if you want the bag, <laughs> yeah. like, hey, wedding to But not everybody does that. So what right. made you want to choose those specific ones that, that is your wheelhouse? Like, did you? Yeah before would you kind of more just like naturally evolve into that
1: um i think it was like a natural evolution because it was like what people wanted my style of work for um and i don't like feel super confident in like my e-commerce ability and like stuff like that i just know that it's easier for me to make something artistic than it is for me to make something like really clean cut and commercial but then again like I realized recently that, like, where the money is at is, like, commercial stuff. And there's people out there nowadays with TikTok and Instagram becoming more popular and people demanding more artistic campaigns. um, People are hiring me to make artistic commercial campaigns. And that's, like, where the future is heading. Yeah. Yeah
0: got gotcha. you and sorry uh my phone decided to go off cuz I, <laughs> I didn't i'm not going to edit that out either i'm i'm just going to leave it like listen you're hearing you're hearing the the real story here people like where we edit some stuff out but not not funny little things like that <laughs> um i'm really sorry that I underscored what you were saying but no I I, I, I I um it is interesting that you know you evolved into that and then now it's it's aligning right it's mm-hmm. from what you're telling me um another question that uh, you know just kind of we were talking about like the LLC thing versus sole proprietorship and I've heard quotes from other types of um, artists that Mm -hmm. have said something to this effect Uh, do you yourself see yourself as a brand and or a company you know um, yeah or no and then just depending on your answer why
1: uh no because I just feel like too independent For that, like, every time I want an assistant to help me with either, like, on-set tasks or, um, like, the -the behind-the-scenes stuff, I end up just wanting to do all of it myself. So, um, so far, like, I don't really see myself becoming a brand or a company, but I feel like um, the, like, universal goal and, like, statements behind, like, what I do is kind of a brand, if that makes sense. I don't know. So,
0: like, do you think in the future, like, as your work like grows, do you think you'll be trying to run everything yourself, and like okay, I'm gonna have to learn the no, business I'm side, or, you, or are you gonna to like try someone, and port that yeah. off to somebody else? Yeah,
1: I I'm really hoping that within like the next two years after I graduate, that I can get signed to an agent, so I can have like a manager and agent taking over the logistical stuff because I can't really like handle all of this right now. But I'm also like hoping to get that so I can get more commercial work.
0: And, you know, we were talking about the different um, avenues when it comes to photography, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: Going along with that, it seems like there's separations between photography where, you know, even with the work you do, which we're going to get into that in a bit as well, um, between like document, like it's just documenting versus like the commercial versus the creative where it's storytelling, it seems like there is separations, but me as somebody on the outside, like, it's really hard to tell where those separations exist. So you being as somebody behind the lens, could you maybe shed some light or are they all intertwine? or is it more just on the perception of whoever's viewing it or is it a number of things?
1: Um, I think that like my work, um, there's a lot of overlap. Like I feel like the commercial stuff. Recently, people are hiring me because of the mission that I have in my personal work. If that makes sense for like diversity and like representation, um, yeah. Does that make? Does that answer it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's,
0: it yeah. answers it. Um, and then speaking of of your work, you know, just walking through the process and the tactical, because um, you've done a number of solo and group exhibitions, and you were talking about like getting like a manager or an agent, um, which. I'm assuming you don't have now, Mm -hmm. Um, but it seems like having a marriage or an agent is the way to get, you know, yourself or any other photographer into solo and group exhibitions. So could you, as somebody who doesn't have that at this time, can you walk through the process of like, how do you set up a solo exhibition? How do you become a part of a group exhibition? Because I think there's probably a lot of moving parts. We were talking earlier about how something got canceled and rescheduled. Mm -hmm. So could you walk through that just from like, hey, you find out there's an exhibition that's going to be happening. Yep. To like the night of the exhibition, and then how do you get paid off of that? Yeah, I, I think that's interesting too.
1: So, I think that group exhibitions are a lot easier to get into than solo. Um, group ones, I usually just look for calls for art, and I'm like really connected with different um art groups that like curate and host exhibitions within the New England area. Um, as for like solo exhibitions, that's only been really being planned and like happening recently because of my community connections. Like it's been easier for me this year to say, Hey, I've been working in the community for a while. You guys know who I am. Would you be interested in just hosting a show of just my work? Um, And some of them have been like invitational, which is really awesome. But in order to have like a solo exhibition, that isn't at like a really hoity-toity gallery, like, you know what I mean? Um, It's like, you really got to get involved in the community and you got to have connections and people have to like be interested or care about the work that you're making.
0: Gotcha. Um, Going along with that, right? Because you have a very, you know, we were talking about like what came first, the art or the activism, right? And it seems like, the activism is intertwined with your work, which is not always the case for every creative, but it seems like it's it's intertwined with, with your work and the projects that you do. Was that something from the onset or was that more of an evolutionary thing as well?
1: Um, I think it was an evolutionary thing. I think maybe for like a year and a half or so, I was just taking pictures to take pictures the way I liked. And then... Um, maybe my second year doing photography um i realized that i liked working with women more than i liked working with men just because of like a safety thing and then from there my work started to deal a lot with like gender and sexuality and then from there it started turning into me feeling the confidence to finally like explore a really hard issue in my life which was um like ethnicity and race. So that's like kind of where the work has evolved.
0: And um going to hold on a couple of those things there cuz it's going to lead into other questions I have. Um a little bit more on the tactical and then we're going to go into the creative. Um, what in your opinion separates and, I, and again, I, I guess it's based on who's viewing the work, but like what in your opinion separates a good photographer from like a bad, you know, objectively bad photographer or like a professional photographer versus a non-professional? Or is there no separation? Is it just based on like who's looking at the work?
1: Um, I think like for the good versus bad question, I feel like a photographer who pays too much attention to their equipment and the technical side are missing out on what makes actually a good photograph. Um, and then what was the other half of the question? It was um, professional versus non-professional. I think there's a really, like, it's it's hard to find the resources to know how to be a professional and run your own business. Um, but I think that, like, the internet is this, like, really huge place where you can take that small step and go down the rabbit hole of learning how to be a professional. But, yeah.
0: And... You know, a um, couple of things. One, when it comes to you're f- saying focus on the technical and things like that. Like I know you have like your your preferences for gear, like everybody does, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially because uh, you shoot on medium format film. And I want to get into that in a bit too. Uh, but um, you, know, a Canon AE one, I think mm-hmm. you shoot on a Pentax. Mm-hmm. Um, why those pieces of gear and have you ever run into issues or have you seen things where it's like gear envy or like gear as like almost like a gatekeeping thing? Like I can't tell you how many times, like, you know, just from completely different thing, but like DJing. And I think talked about this on the Sega gen episode where it's like, you're not a legit DJ unless you have like yeah. this kind of equipment. Yeah. It's like, you know, have you run into that in the photography or have you seen it? And like, yeah. it make you want to roll your eyes and go like, really? Like,
1: Yeah, I see it all the time, but that's not the type of environment I like to create within my community. Um, Like, the cameras that I use are for... um, Sorry. (laughs) The cameras that I use mainly have to do because of the cheapness of them. Um, Cameras can get really expensive. And also, like, with medium format or large format cameras I'm using the ones that I'm using because of portability and like weight I'm not super into like oh like you if you want to be a real photographer you got to shoot Leica well I can't spend five thousand dollars on glass like it's stuff like that where I don't really like I think that you can make good work with anything and if you're caught up in what you're using then you're not going to be focused on the right
0: thing Gotcha. going and going along with that, you know, you, you know, you had your first, like the, the first bigger job, um, Rolling Stone. And then now you work on more like commercial than editorial and like the fine art aspect. You do group and, you know, solo exhibition shows, group exhibition shows. Um, can you walk through the process of, and has it changed of, do a lot of people reach out to you? Do you reach out to people Is it a mix is depending on the project. And, um, you know, like, how, how does that process work of, like, are you searching out clients or is it more clients seeking you out now specifically?
1: Um, Mostly clients are reaching out to me. In the past, it was a little more of a mix of me reaching out to people and offering my services as well as people reaching out to me. But now um I'm in a place where I am just kind of, like, in limbo waiting for people um, because I am working a second job right now. So it's just, like, what's easiest for me and it also like allows me to like rest a little bit in between shoots like this school year was like so much shooting that I just needed a break a little bit over the summer um but mostly it's people reaching out to me through Instagram or sometimes through LinkedIn like email whatever um
0: Going with your gut. One thing I really appreciate about creatives and entrepreneurs is the passion they have for whatever it is they're doing. And Kanitha definitely has a passion for photography as both an art form and a means for social commentary. So much so that she knew she would earn a living and that her style of photography had a market, even when her own teacher told her that market didn't exist. She knew something her teacher and others didn't. She knew that the market was going to catch up to her and her style of photography. And now, it's paying dividends, both financially and critically. So when it comes to creative work, when it comes to your business, sometimes you just know. Sometimes you just need to go with your gut. Now you know you you have clients. You did the commercial things of that nature. Was there a specific project or first project or first exhibition where you know the uh, like you said it was an evolution of the of the art and the activism being intertwined? Was there a particular like point where that started? Meaning, was there like a first exhibition or a first show where it's like, hey, this is a topic that I want to shed some light on. This is topic I want to talk about. Um, you know, I'm going to do this because these are things that are important to me. Was there like a first show or first exhibition or first um project that you can speak to that, where that happened and what and what was that like?
1: Um I would say it's mostly been me looking at other people's shows or like whatever that really oh, okay. got me into it. Like Richard Rinaldi's show or just like at that we're really lucky every week or so we have practicing photographers come in on zoom and talk to us. And like a lot of those photographers that I've been exposed to talking about photographing within their own communities and shedding a light on those narratives um, has inspired me to make what I wasn't seeing. You
0: know, you're starting to to intertwine the activism in your work, um, taking on projects, taking on jobs that or taking on things that, allow you to express your views you know and what you want to see through your medium and you mentioned representation and i think that's you know it's it's important but it's interesting that and you may have a differing opinion on this but i want to get your opinion on this is there do you think there's a reason why there's a focus even like the general public on representation now and what do you think is happening now whether it's your specific community or just different communities in general where like representation is more of a part of the conversation now than, than years ago, whether it's in photography or whether it's in other mediums.
1: Yeah. I would say that there's like the first thing that came to my head was like what we commonly see in like the media with like commercial advertising. There's been a lot more, um, more requests for representation and I would call that performative activism. Um, I think that there are some companies um, and artists who are, like, genuinely interested in just, like, representing people, and that's what, like, the company started out doing. Like, that's why they made it. Um, But I would also say that, like, There's plenty of other companies that have just recently hopped on the bandwagon because they know that um, after what's happened recently in the past, like, three years with, um, like, just human rights in this country, I think that a lot of companies know that there's pressure on them to appeal to people who want representation because now, like, representation is trendy, if that makes sense. And I can, like, really, like, quickly <laughs> say that, like, I've had jobs or, like, seen people in charge want models specifically to check off boxes, not because they actually, like, want to represent that community, if that makes sense.
0: So the question on that, because mm-hmm. um, I, I think that that definitely does happen, right? Yeah. Um. So that's, and that's one way, that's one reason as to why the words and the conversation, it's like the check off the box and, and I guess, let's be honest, like companies, I had a conversation about this with the other day where a friend of mine was saying like, oh, I think like some of these companies, they're like going way too much to the other side, become too woke. And I'm like, I think for a lot of these companies, it's not about them actually think, you know, like really caring. I think it's just about money. Like, mm-hmm. it's just like people, you know, there's people, different demographics now who have spending power they always did have spending power but now they're starting to recognize they have spending power it's like let's make content or things that will appeal to them so we can make more money um so it's not really like necessarily like a place where the company actually cares about those people right it's just it's money it's it's pure profit yeah with that being said do you think that i want to i want to say like do you think that's bad thing? Because it's like definitely not a good thing but do you think that there's maybe opportunities there that can that and like that are positive opportunities yeah. that can come out of that maybe yeah. negative thing like hey like yeah i know they just want to check the checkbox but had they not wanted to check the checkbox then certain people wouldn't have gotten opportunities that now they can get and hey you can use that as a launching off point maybe um yeah. and i i don't know and i'm just yeah. asking this question just out of pure curiosity
1: yeah in my opinion like i've had this conversation so many times with people and I think that as much as performative activism is really messed up I also think that for the people being represented it can be a really good thing because it will open up opportunities and doors for more representation and job opportunities but for the company it will never really be a good thing it will always just be about profit
0: so with with that going if we're going to go along with that 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 reasoning, that line of thinking, right? How can somebody who is looking at something like that and going like this is clearly a performer, like you know, they co- there probably are some companies out there i I can't name off the top of my head, but like that really do maybe give a damn. But like for the ones that don't, it's, it purely is perform, you know, um performative activism, right? um Have there been ways that, that you've utilized that, like let's turn this into a positive, or let's 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 see the silver lining in this, or like. And if not, personally, but what are the ways that somebody could? I guess more in the tactical
2: sense.
3: It's tough because,
1: like, when I'm thinking about people in the position who are creating, like, advertisements or whatever that have the power to, like, represent, it's usually, like, white people if that makes sense so like I feel like what needs to happen is there needs to be more opportunities for people of color like queer people to be in these positions that are like hiring and like choosing who's being represented um but like yeah I don't know
3: I'm trying to think of what else um
1: Yeah, like, it's it's hard to say, like, what you should do because it's just, like, it, you should just, like, genuinely care about representing people. <laughs> I don't know, like, how else to say it, but it's it's tough. Like, I feel like there—I think you can be in that position of power and want to represent, but you just need to do it in a way that isn't, like, pouncing on people and, like, treating them like objects, you know?
0: Do you think maybe it could also be, maybe not the people within the company, but the company itself? Like, yeah. the company is such a huge entity where, like, they have to maybe water things down or make it, you know, saccharine because, um hopefully that's the right word, like, sugar, like, saccharine, like, mm-hmm. because they have to get such a wide market share of er- of everybody. So, it's like, hey, we have to please everyone, but by pleasing everyone, they're like, well, it's only to a certain extent, like, they're actually pleasing no one.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's just, I guess it's just hard for me to, like, see any of it being super positive because at the end of the day, like, it's really just about profit and representing to get profit. I don't know.
0: So then do you think the alternative is, is that if at least for right now, Mm -hmm. you know, there aren't people in those companies that are in positions to make those those bigger decisions. Maybe like, hey, keep fighting for that but at the same time like hey let's just do our own things and make our own projects and make them loud enough and big enough and profitable enough that either like it forces the hand or it's like it's so big that or it's well known enough to the point where it's self-sustaining and we don't need Yeah.
1: It. Yeah. Yeah, this is it's a very tough question to answer, but I think I don't know if this has anything to do with the question, but I feel like Small businesses and smaller artists, I feel like, are doing a more genuine job and effort to, like, be representative, if that makes sense. Because a lot of, like, smaller companies, if e- like, even if they start small and get big, like, usually start off because of a need for something.
0: So, actually, uh, I think that brings up an interesting point. Do you think, because you, you work in both the commercial and in, like, the fine art space. So, I think this brings up an interesting question do you think it's better to try and shoot for those big projects or do you think, you know, because then you, know, you have to deal with like getting paid later. Um, you know, there's probably more bureaucracy. Like I know Rolling Stone is a magazine about music and it's creative people, but like it's a company like, and it's part of a bigger publishing house and things of that nature. Right. So there's probably more gears that have to be moved to get something done versus working with the smaller business. So at least from your experience, have you seen like, you know, pros or cons versus like being the, I guess the, Working with the bigger, more established versions versus working with the smaller businesses and being nimble and make being able to make decisions faster.
1: Yeah, I think that working with smaller companies or magazines or whatnot is always easier because, as you said, like there's less um, in the way f- from you getting like what needs to be done. And um, despite usually those jobs sometimes paying less, like I feel like it's easier for you to connect with people on them as well. But with the bigger commercial jobs, like it can be really tempting to just wait around for those to happen. But I've noticed that with some of the bigger or like really well-paying commercial jobs that I've done, those have been the ones where there's been the most really messed up problems on set that have to do with working for an institution, which is like, you said like this giant bureaucracy that's going to come with all of these other problems of like hierarchy and like not actually caring about the campaign itself, but rather like the money that the campaign will make.
0: So touching on upon something um, that you were talking about before, because I think this, this flows into my next question. Um, You were mentioning how you liked working with, women uh with females and how you wanted to capture um the female you know perspective of the female body and i've seen that in a number of different um pieces and exhibitions and stuff in new work uh which is amazing by the way thank you welcome um because the photography has traditionally been you know male dominated yeah so two-parter one do you think that a male photographer can capture the the female experience accurately and not have it be in a way that's, like, negative? Is that possible? No,
1: I don't think it's possible. I think you can only make work about an identity that you have yourself. Like, I feel like you can make work about communities that you don't look like but you won't be able to like like photography cameras whatever like all of that is an extension of yourself it's an extension of how you see so like I feel like there's just a really obvious specific touch that female photographers have when portraying certain issues um or just like narratives um and this goes for like any aspect of identity like ability race gender sexuality whatever like i feel like people can make work about other things but it's just like really hard to really show something if you don't experience it
0: so if you're not experiencing that thing then it's going to be very hard to
1: yeah like you can you can do it. something but it's just going to come with maybe controversy controversy and it may not be exactly like i don't know it's just
3: yeah like you you have to to be it, to show it. I don't know. That's why it's, like,
1: important to shed light on artists or people who are, like, bringing those narratives that we don't often see into the spotlight. Like, part of the reason why I started doing the Asian American thesis project on large format was because the majority of pictures of Asian people in large format were taken, like, by white people during immigration. And sometimes these images were used as, like, propaganda against Asian people. And this goes for other races as well. I would say, like, in the Black community that, like, large format photography was used even more exploitively um, with them. Like, they would use images to make it seem like segregation or slavery wasn't a bad thing. And, we're distributing these images to the white audience. So, yeah, it's important to have people that look like the photos that they're making, if that makes sense, in these positions. And, like, I think that things are going to start getting better um, with representation. But, yeah.
0: So, that leads to a couple of questions. One, um, specifically about uh, a medium, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, analog mediums like film, um, but also, I read that you know you like working in the medium film format. There's some preferences there, but that the large film format—I think you just touched upon it here—has um, been used politically. And I'm really curious about that, just because the reason why I'm curious is that a, a medium is a medium, right? Like, like the photograph, I guess, like that—that that type of like doesn't doesn't know like who's behind the camera. I guess is like the best way I can describe it. Um, so I'm just curious as to how a medium or a photographic type, you know, outside of, like, the person actually making the shot, how can that be political? Because I thought it was, like, it was, like, it was I interesting that, like, question. that you brought yeah. that up. And I was just, like, yeah, there was a couple of things question. you referenced um, that I would like for you to reference now as well, like, yeah. when I was reading about this. But it's just interesting where, like, not just the photographer... In, you know, in your view, the medium itself is political. And I've never yep. heard somebody saying, like, oh, no, this medium itself is political. Yeah. Um, it's usually more about, like, the person taking the shot or, like, yeah. the viewer, not just, like, the mechanical medium itself, I yeah. guess. Yeah.
1: And that's a really good and cool question. And, like, obviously, the person behind the camera has, like, a lot to do with, like, or in front of the camera um, has a lot to do with the politics of the photo. But also like the medium itself, like you said, um, is really important because like I'm going to bring up like a few examples, like large format photography is like primarily associated with like tableau or like family portraits because it's such a giant camera that's so not portable that the viewer has to acknowledge its presence. So with photographs, like I mentioned before, that were, like, staged to be used as propaganda, that's because the large format camera, like, allows people to, like, paint those tableaus and, like, get that point across. Whereas something like medium format or 35 millimeter, um, someone that immediately came up for me was Gordon Parks, who is a photographer that was, like, photographing segregation in the South and his large format photos were obviously like more staged, but the majority of the photos that were of segregation were taken on the more portable cameras because that was when the viewer didn't have to acknowledge his presence and he could show like what was actually happening, if that makes sense.
0: So then leads into my next question. Is this a driving force as to, why you're so passionate about analog film specifically um and more so why you chose medium format or at least i want to say that you chose like from what i understand and what i've read um that like medium it seems like medium format film seems to be like the happy medium between like the large format um and you know at least in the analog world versus like smaller format Is that where that passion for analog, you know, came from and specifically the the passion you have for large format and your preference for medium format film?
1: Yeah, with work that like really means something that I'm making, like really conceptual or like political work, um, I primarily use like medium format or large format um, because of like the historical significance that the mediums have um, in relation to like politics and um, efforts for equality and stuff. Um, But I feel like when I need something to happen that I don't have the money to spend large format money on, I'll shoot it on medium. But because large format has such like a heavy like uh, association for me with like history, there are specific things that I would rather take on large format than I would on medium
0: Do you have concerns, because I know you're very passionate about analog and preserving analog, do you have concerns about digital, you're talking about like acknowledging the presence of the camera where it's like, now everybody pretty much has a, you know, I can't see what I'm doing here, people, but like the quote unquote, you know, the quotation marks, high quality camera. And I'll, you know, there's been beautiful things that have been shot on an iPhone or on a digital camera. And with these cameras getting smaller and smaller, it can be easier for you for you to take a shot and not have the the subject acknowledge you, or even if you pull your phone out, it's like, well, everybody's doing that, so it's like it's kind of commonplace now. You don't have to acknowledge the um the, the subject doesn't have to acknowledge who's taking the photo. Is there a concern there that it's so normalized, like everybody's just got their phones out and and snapping pics? Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing in your opinion in relation to analog? And then um also, is there concerns where, you know, you, you yourself, you're taking analog photos, but you're posting them on a digital medium on a platform like Instagram, where somebody can take that, you know, you're talking about propaganda and things like So it's a two-part right. question. So, like, there's that part. But then, like, when you publish it, you, like, you, you do need to publish in digital, it seems like, nowadays, because that's the way people consume stuff. Yep. But then people can also take things very easily, misappropriate things, attribute to something that you had no intention, or remix it, or edit it, or take it as their own, etc.
1: Mhm. Okay, I'm trying to remember the first part of the question. It was um concern about digital being like at everybody's hands. Um so yeah, I I don't have like a huge concern about it. I think that like the fact that we are now like able to use footage from people's phones to like help in like crimes and stuff is really important but like also sometimes like now everybody's just like recording everything and like posting everything about their lives and sometimes I myself like I Instagram like came about when I was like 12 so I've grown up with this and it's like um, I think that sometimes myself I even feel like my online presence is more of my real life than my real life is. And it's like weird. Like, I don't feel like that all the time, but there are sometimes I'm just like so absorbed in that. And I like, don't remember that that's not what life is. Um, but as for the second part of the question, I'm trying to remember <laughs> was. Uh,
0: Concerns about, it, even though you're, you're, you're shooting an analog, yes, you publishing on and a digital platform online. and putting yeah. it out online where somebody can, yeah. It doesn't take much to reappropriate something or misappropriate yeah. something or steal something, especially now that we're, we're in a digital world.
1: I'm not as concerned with appropriating than I am with response to stuff that you put online. Um, like, I know the integrity of my photograph, so I'm not like concerned if someone like takes it or like tries to do something else with it. But, like, the main thing that I've seen that can. Usually be a good thing, but is scary when you see the bad side of it is like when something like causes conversation and like you see like how fucked up people are in the comments, I guess. Like when I was making work primarily about like gender and womanhood, um, the amount of crazy comments I would get on photos that were like so Like, beyond misogynistic, just, like, straight up, like, messed up, like, what the hell is going on? There's a lot of that, and that was, like, really frightening. But it also, like, inspired me to see how important photography is because it, like, starts conversations like that. But I guess that's where the internet is, like, scary because, like— I feel like nowadays, like there's so many white supremacists everywhere, like all over the internet, and it's like, oh my god, like what is going on? And they have the power to like post things and like not get it deleted. And they like, also don't seem to
0: work jobs.
1: Yeah, it's like they don't seem to really do anything except like <laughs> be crazy. So it's just like horrifying. Um, so that's that's where I'm like a little worried, but yeah.
0: So. Going along, like, you you stated, you know, seeing these crazy comments, seeing things from, like, white supremacists drives <laughs> you even further Yes. to use pho- photography as a storytelling yes. medium and tell stories you want to tell. Yes. Um, which leads into my question, if you could dive further and talk about this project, I want to make sure I got the title right, The Americans? Yes. Okay. Because uh, I'm looking at some of these pictures now, and I did see the exhibition at Cortland Club, the pop-up, mm-hmm. which was great. Um, can you talk about more just the ideation of that, how the idea came about, um, you know, what inspired you to put mm-hmm. this together, um, w- you know, how you're getting funding for it. Cause I know there's a yeah, GoFundMe, fund yeah. me, um, w- the work that's going into it, and just more um, how much did you have to think about the storytelling aspect of it as right. well, the story you wanted to tell and how you know how does somebody tell a story just through a photograph or a yeah. series of photographs? Uh, if you could just walk through that whole entire yeah, process from awesome. ideation to to from ideation to the exhibition because this is this yeah. is your project this is your thing yeah so. this is
1: my thing, <laughs> um yeah so I I would say that it started with Fall River Boys me seeing that era last summer I saw that and I was like hey wait a second these were shot on large format film and I think that I'm learning how to use that in the coming semesters and so I started to do my research and I was like I want to be on top of my game when we start learning large format so I can jump in right away and start making pictures so all throughout the winter I started learning how to use large format even though I didn't even have a camera I was just watching videos all the time to understand how it worked um, and I'm not sure exactly. It was one of those things where it's like you're in the shower and you just like something clicks and you're like, oh, I'm going to do this. Um, It was definitely after the exhibition. But I was like, hey, not seeing a lot of representation in my community. I feel like now that I realize I have the power to make this work, someone's going to do it and it's going to be me. Um, And that's what I started doing. And um, I basically put out this call for models that like weren't really models if that makes sense. I just like put on my Instagram and I was like, hey, um, I'm a photographer. I'm looking to shoot a thesis with primarily Asian people, Southeast Asian, South Asian, like Northern, Eastern, like whatever. Um, if you identify as Asian, I would love to have you in my project, even if you're half, even if you're adopted, blah, blah, blah. And there was so many responses. It was insane. And I had been wanting to make this project for a while because I knew it would help me get closer with my own community in Providence. And I was just like, let me extend it out into like Dorchester and Lowell because there's huge Asian communities, specifically like Cambodian communities and like Lowell and whatever. Um, So I was like, let me extend it out so I can like get all the people that I love together and like start making work because I was like, it kind of sucks going to, like, a museum and, like, not seeing anybody that looks like you on the wall except for when they, like, steal, like, pots from your country and, like, put it out on display, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I was like, let's let's start this project. I made this giant Google form and I started making, like, Excel spreadsheets of, like, who was where and um, what their ethnicity was and what was their connection to their family and Um, immigration and, like, their culture. And I started to, like, compile a list of who would be available during my spring semester last year to take some pictures. Um, And yeah, I shot, like, 30 people in the month of April, which is, like, something I've never (laughs) done before. I And I wasn't even, like, burnt out. I was, like, so excited to be taking pictures. I would, like, drive from, like, PBD Massachusetts back to like Providence in a day to shoot like two people when I wasn't in school. Um and yeah, and uh the darkroom process was equally as tedious. Like I feel like I did spend more time in the darkroom than I did shooting. Like I would go there on the weekends and I would spend all day in the dark room by myself <laughs> doing developing printing and everything and just making sure that I got things right like I had friends making sure that I was eating and like blah 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 but I didn't like regret it for a minute like I was always frustrated because I wanted things to be perfect Um, but yeah and um, I would like sit down for like private critiques with my teacher of the work um, throughout the semester and like she was like um, explaining to me like That I need to, like, figure out a way to, like, show how my community has been, like, changing the American landscape. Because, like, one of the primary goals of my project, in addition to, like, representation, was also, like, combating all of this, like, anti-Asian rhetoric that was happening during the pandemic. And, like, a lot of this stems from, like, xenophobia that's existed, like, since before Asian people got here in the 1800s. Um, Just this constant idea that, like, Asian people can't be Americans. Like, they're always foreigners. Um, And, like, a lot of the sentiment during the coronavirus pandemic was, like, you need to go back to your country. Your country brought this here. And it's, like, they're saying that to people that have lived here forever. And it's just, like, a wrong thing to say to blame a pandemic on anybody. But, um, yeah, so that's where the sentiment of the project was also coming from. And I started thinking, how can I show what the Providence Asian community has been doing and, like, they look like people that you see every day on the street. Like, who do I know, like, fits that profile? Like, stuff like that where I've just been going around and photographing. Um, And, yeah, like, sometimes it would be, like, me setting up a scene or sometimes it would be, like, hey, um, it's Buddhist New Year. On this day, I'm going to go to the temple. Like, stuff like that. Um, And then the title of the project, I'm running out of breath, (laughs) the title of the project. um, There is this project by Robert Frank, who is this like European large format photographer who came to the U.S. and he just like went around taking pictures of American people and it was called The Americans. And there was like nothing wrong with the project. Like, I think it was like really cool. But I was like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if I titled my project this like infamous title of the other project everybody knows by robert frank and be like these are the real americans because like in that one not the real americans that i was just like oh like we are americans too and there was just like in that book there wasn't really a lot of representation of the communities of color except for photos of segregation And i was like well that's not really cool and that's not what we want to be remembered by so i was like let me just call it the americans and like i knew it was gonna like Piss off some of my professors and make them be like, you should be more original or like something like that. But I was like, that's exactly what the project is about. It's about like bringing my community into this photo canon. And like, I was like, what more is this photo canon than like The Americans by Robert Frank?
0: So yeah. You had mentioned, you know, the hey, we're Americans too. Mm -hmm. Which leads into my question of how important do you think it is for the subject or the viewer or the, you know, the consumer, I would say, how important is it for them to see themselves in the media they are consuming? And what effect does that have?
1: Yeah, I would say that like, a lot of the reason why I am so passionate about all of this today is because like, I wasn't seeing myself or like, Um, other people of color represented in mainstream media at all Um, and when we were represented like Asian people were always represented as like either really smart or like really nerdy or like didn't speak English or like blah 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 you know all of the stereotypes and like going to a museum and seeing a picture of yourself or someone that looks like you is really important because like when we think of museums like it's it's kind of cheesy, but like in a way, like these are the people deciding what is important for everybody to be looking at. So it's like when you finally have your own community or a community close to yours like represented, it's like, oh, like here's me thinking that I'm important. Like the project is really meant to be a mirror for the Asian community so they can like see themselves or like see people that they know or just like see like a general depiction of like their experience being regarded as highly as anything
3: else in a museum. Can you
0: explain and expound upon, because I think it's a powerful quote, quote you made photographs of your community inspire unity. Can you, can you dive into that?
1: Yeah. So that was also like a part of, my like artist project statement that was used when I displayed this at school at the end of the year and like yeah like the same way that like representation in like a museum or whatever or like on media of whatever sorts is like really important like when you see the initiative to like see your community represented it like sparks this chain reaction of not only like people like being like oh hey like that's my aunt or like hey that looks like me it also is like oh like why don't we start doing similar things or like this makes me remember how passionate I am about this other thing like I haven't had this much like support for my work like ever and that's like the whole point of this like the community aspect of the work Um, like so many people came and showed out at like the Cortland club thing. And like, um, there is like, like I mentioned off, um, off the air that like cow cow, like was like, Oh, Hey, like we want to donate some of the proceeds to your work. Like that was completely them coming up to me and saying like, Hey, like we see the importance of your project. We want to like, I don't know, bring you in and like show you that you are. Our community as well, so like stuff like that is really important. And it makes us all um, like sentimental and be like, yeah, like we care about each other, and now we're seeing each other.
0: So you mentioned working with you know Courtland Club for this project and um, Cow, Cow reaching out to you. Um, you're, you no know, in this talk about representation, things that matter, you've worked with a lot of clients, both big and small, different sizes, right, in, um, in more of the con- commercial editorial fine art space. Has there been a client where things were problematic, whether it was from like just a logistic standpoint or even a representation standpoint, or was there a client that reached out to you that first you're like, hey, I'll do this, and then you you know you you find some st- information about the company or about the you know the magazine or the whatever whatever the organization happens to be that you just didn't like, and how did you handle that?
1: Yeah, there's been a lot of things that I can't like. This is one of those things where I'm like. A little worried about saying too much. Um, but like I mentioned earlier, like my highest paying job had the most issues. Like we got a makeup artist fired on that set because she literally, like, why would you hire a white seven-year-old makeup artist to do foundation on like an entirely yeah, seven, POC. seven-year-old? Yeah, she's 70, 70. Oh, I think it's seven. No, like, no, not a little, not a little girl. She was an old lady. And yeah, like the entire cast was POC and she literally like was insulting everybody. Like it was so messed up. I won't even go into it. But yeah, um, then there have been jobs where like there's one time this um, company was like, hey, we want to like do uh, some like e-commerce stuff with you. We're hoping that you can find this type of model. And then we also want you to find a plus size model. I found a plus-size model, one of my good friends, and I said, hey, this is her size. Like, can you send over the garments in this size? And they were like, oh, we don't have that size. And I was like, you asked me for a plus-size model. You don't carry plus-size garments. Like, this is literally just performative. So it's, like, stuff like that. And I ended up not taking the job. I, like, I recently have been better at, like, speaking up for... Um, The models are usually the ones being misrepresented and mistreated. And I was just like, hey, I don't feel comfortable taking this job. I think that this is really messed up that you asked me for this and can't even provide her the right size. Um, And that was me with the makeup artist, too. I was like, hey, I heard about the makeup artist doing this, this and that. And shame on you guys for hiring her. Like you should have realized what are you going to do about it? So, yeah. But if it like happened to me. You know what I mean? Like, if someone, like, said something to me and mistreated me, I would feel, like, way less inclined to say something because that's, like, scary, if that makes sense. Because you don't know if people are going to back you up. But if you're speaking out for someone else, I feel like it's a little easier and you should do something. Like, if you see something, you should say something.
0: Have you ever had to balance out or have you ever taken, taken on a job that maybe it wasn't ideal? Maybe it didn't perfectly align? Or maybe you were feeling a little iffy about it, but it's like, hey, I also have to pay rent this
3: month.
1: I don't think so. Like, I try to make the most out of everything. Like, even if it sucks, I just, like, try my best. But I don't think anything has really sucked. Like, sometimes, like, I have to, like, bear through a shoot that's, like really overstimulating like people aren't listen listening to me but i'm just like yeah i guess that's a situation where i'm like i gotta pay rent and i'm already here so yeah
0: one thing i've noticed is you received a number of awards i'm just gonna go through uh, <laughs> gonna go th- go gonna go through these real Thank quick Thank you. um six of the best asian american photographers in 2022 from the ph- phoblographer hopefully yeah, i'm saying that, like that. <laughs> um Let's see, and like, and also editorial interviews with other magazines. Uh, let's see, uh, featuring global girlhood, um, you know, women with Film Wednesday, 11 of the eleven best commercial photographers in province from Peer Space, um, photographer spotlight um, from the SeaWord magazine. I think Vogue has like an editorial page or something like that that they featured you in. Um, let's see, uh, the 11 eleven Gen Z Asian American photographers capturing the complexities of being AAPI. Um, sorry, I don't have the. LBA oh, API today from Very Good Light. I was reading that wrong. No, you're uh, good. My notes. Um, then there's also uh, Subvert Magazine. Um, and then I think Her Campus uh, Artist to Watch. So very early in the game, you already got a number of accolades, awards on your belt, big Ooh. commercial projects <laughs> with, yeah, like, and definitely Yay. you deserve to celebrate. <laughs> um, you know, the Rolling Stone Project, right? I think I'm trying to remember. I, I'm trying to remember the saying. I think I think the saying. I, I could be misquoting this, and if I am, a uh, apologies to anybody who knows no, like good. the technical quote. Uh, the idea of flatten your heart, meaning you don't get addicted to the highs, but you don't get addicted to the lows, and you try to keep an even keel. Is there any one particular award or accolade or interview that you were like, oh wow, like this is amazing? And if so, which why did that one stand out more than the others? And then the second part of that question. Um, how do you keep a level head and how important it is to keep a level head that you don't I guess you don't feed into your own hype?
1: Yeah. I'm going to answer that one first. I am like so self-conscious about my work still like I I think also because of my age, um, I feel like really underestimated so I underestimate myself. I never feel like a single thing on my CV is like legit enough to like get me what I actually want. Um, so it's pretty easy for me to stay down here. And I'm not saying, like, I'm, like, super mean to myself. I'm not mean. It's just, like, I think I'm just still at this point where I'm, like, it's not exactly enough yet. And I don't think anything ever will be, which isn't really, like, a healthy mindset. But I, maybe it is. I don't really know. Um, but the second part of the question, or the first part, rather, um, Recently, I got this award from the Mass Art Liberal Arts Department, which was the, help me out, it was, it was on my website somewhere. It's the Intercultural. Uh, I'm, trying, I'm
0: trying to. I'm yeah, trying to it's find somewhere. It my, I don't remember list. the
1: exact name, but it had to do with like global. Oh, it was Global Competence and Intercultural Understanding. There, award. there we go. Yep. Yes. It was a big mouthful. I didn't even know that the Mass Art Liberal Arts Department gave out awards. And like the
0: Gertrude Kachiever Prize, I think, was also from Mass Art, right? Yeah.
1: So the one from the Liberal Arts Department was like such a shock for me, and it was like my most like treasured thing that I've ever gotten because um, I have taken two classes with the professor that um, awarded me this um the first one was this history course called like lenses from the past which is basically teaching everything that they lie to you or hide from you in american history so it was like this really impressive course that like opened my eyes to everything that i was suspicious of and the second course i took with him is like the highest level course you can take at mass art which is like a summative elective and i took it on the asian american diaspora and that's ultimately, like, the class that helped me get this award, like, it was just, yeah, it was an incredible experience, and just to be, like, honored for my contributions to the community, like, in an academic sense, in addition to, like, my art was really, really, um, flattering for me, because it just, like, made me realize how important what I'm doing is, and that my voice means something, and just to have, like, a teacher, Recognize me and nominate me for it was just like really nice.
3: So, I
0: want to, because um, you're mentioning professors, and I think it leads into this question. Um, you have started teaching.
1: Yeah. At AS220. I haven't yet. Next Tuesday. You're about to, though. Yes. Okay. Yes.
0: Um, so, I think, so, it's going to maybe rephrase my question a little bit. Uh, how did that come about? What made you want to teach? And I guess, actually, first off, explain what AS220 is to anybody listening who
1: know what it is. So AS220 is, like, a lot of things. Um, I first knew about it, and primarily people first know about it as, like, a music venue in Providence. Um, But they also, like, have different classes for enrichment, like, dance classes, music classes. But they also have art classes. um, And they do... I think they have, like, a
0: gallery space into an exhibition. They do. They Um, have, like,
1: the AS220 galleries as well. Um, but yeah, like they also have art classes. They're for youth and adult programs. Um, and they teach like all sorts of stuff. like I don't even know. Like everything you can think of, I feel like they have someone teaching it, whether it's like a full class or a workshop. Um, but one of the people in my project, um Alex Suk, um who's also Cambodian, he is, I believe, the creative director for the youth programs at a s two twenty. And I was like, wow, your impact is really important. Do you want to be in my Asian American project? He was like, yes, and you should come by and maybe teach a class. And I was like, oh, my God, like, that's a great idea. So he's doing some summer courses right now with the kids. And he was like, hey, you should introduce these, like, Gen Z kids to what large format photography is. And I was like, oh, my God, like, that's such a great idea, but it's going to be a task. So next Tuesday and Wednesday is going to be our first course and we're going to be like showing them like what large format is and like I'm mostly showing them like um, BIPOC photographers that use large format because it's mostly BIPOC um, Providence teens, and yeah just showing them how to use the camera and like they're going to be taking photos of themselves and hopefully like they'll like get super into it because I know some of them were saying that they wanted to shoot film that's why they brought me in um, but yeah, hopefully they bring me back for more classes because like recently I just was like, I really like teaching. Like it wasn't, I literally refused to be a teacher for so long and now I'm just like, maybe I'm going to go to grad school and get a master's so I can teach. Um, cause yeah, I was realizing like, there's like not a lot of people that look like me that are like photo teachers either, either, excuse me. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I like working with kids. I was going to go to school for elementary ed. So I was like, this is a great opportunity to see if this is what I want. Um, in addition to the commercial stuff, cause that was the main, um, interest of mine. But yeah.
0: So just wanted to ask, you know, so you haven't taught yet, yeah. but you had to put like, um, you had to put curriculum together yeah. and like format together and like how the class is going to flow and things of that. Right. Um, Is there anything you learned from just, like, oh, I have to prepare and, like, now I have to teach? Like, is there anything you learned? Is there anything that made you reevaluate the way you did things?
1: Um, not really. But the way that I'm teaching is exactly the way I wish large format photography was taught to me. Because, like, the way it was taught to us was, here's the camera. Here's how you load the film. Go figure it out. And with large format, you can't do that. Like, you need to learn about what this camera even does and, like, how it works and the history of it. And it was really, like, sad that, like, I feel like everybody missed out on learning that. Um, so that's, like, kind of what I've learned in making this curriculum is, like, how much um, it would have been better to learn about all of this stuff. But, um,
3: yeah.
0: Is there any... This is going sound like an odd question because just just in relevance and this is not me being ageist people so don't at, <laughs> don't at me anyone okay i'm just saying yeah that you know being 22 is there anything you could have told your past self See, <laughs> so, so you're laughing is that that's why that's it's a little bit of no an odd question i have a past only self being, oh, I have a only past been on the earth for, for x amount of time yes
1: mini can eat this though. is this
0: is this is me making fun of myself people i'm old nah. right? I, I literally got gray hair so it's, it's fine it's fine <laughs> Kanitha, you can call me old. That's fine. I
1: didn't notice until you said that. So, I mean, that's good. <laughs> but if there's anything you could have
0: told yeah. your, your past self, you could have told Mini Kanitha yes. uh, ab- uh, about just this journey you're going to take or anything, I guess, you could. You wish you could have told your past self or anything you wish you could have changed or done differently.
1: Um, I feel like recently... I've realized that
3: I—all of the, like,
1: negativity coming from, like, within the house about what I was doing, like, I feel like I was not really realizing that it was coming from, like, a place of concern and that the more I hide away what I'm doing, like, that's such an integral part of who I am and I want— at least to my mom, to understand. So I feel like now I've realized, like, it would have been better if I started, like, inviting her to more, like, shows and, like, whatever. Like, there's obviously, like, been, like, turmoil between us because of the stuff that has made me been like, no, I'm never showing my mom what my photos look like. Um, But now I'm just like, yeah, I feel like it's important that I start involving her in more things. Um, because it not only will like better our relationship. and even if she, like doesn't understand it, like, I'm hoping that one day she'll, like conceptualize everything that I'm trying to do, because, like, I recently told her that, like the large format cameras that I'm using, like the Khmer Rouge, the genocide group that like did everything in Cambodia, um there was a portion of their victims that they photographed before they were executed. And they were photographed on large format. The photos were developed in a dark room the same way I'm doing now. And I was like, wow, for the Cambodian community, this project is like exceptionally important, like above any other community um, because like we're reclaiming this process. And so I was like trying to explain that to her, but all I got back was like, okay, (laughs) over text, because she doesn't like understand yet. So I'm hoping that, like, the more I get her involved, at least, like, with seeing this project, like, blossom, she'll start to, like, understand the importance of photography and, like, what I'm trying to do. Because it is really important.
0: What do you think the general public doesn't realize, whether it's about maybe the technical aspects of photography, the running the business side of photography, or just maybe your projects, representation What is what do you think that maybe one thing or multiple things, however you want to go about it, the general public doesn't realize about what you do that you wish they did.
1: Um, it's hard because I feel like I have a list of things, but like the first, feel free to go through them. (laughs) The first thing that came to my mind is like we don't just press a button. Like that's like a very like general reply I think any photographer would say to that but yeah like we don't just press a button there's a lot that goes into this and like you know um the second thing is like there are some photographers like me who anticipate certain responses and like we thrive off of it like I said earlier like when people were commenting like crazy shit on my Instagram I was like that's exactly what I wanted and it's like this weird thing where it's like we are really smart and photography is like a social commentary so it's like we kind of anticipate a lot of things and like we're watching you and we know what you're gonna say about it and like that's something really interesting about it um but yeah I guess the last thing is that photography like does have the power to like promote change for a lot of things like photography even in the sense of like video taping like has really helped a lot of like legislation and like whatever get passed here in America. Um, whether it's with like racial justice or like climate justice, even, um, like, how are you going to know that the Amazon is dying unless you have a photo of it, (laughs) you know, like stuff like that.
0: Dream projects that you would want to do. There Are there any, like, it's like, oh, like, it would be a dream to work with this organization or yeah. to, this group or to do this kind of thing?
1: Um, I don't have, like, anything super specific because I'm, like, just kind of waiting and I don't want to, like, get my hopes up for anything. But I'm really hoping that at some point, like, I get to shoot a cover for a really big magazine. Like, I've done, like, inside stuff within the magazine but I've never had like a cover that I was like paid to do so that's like what I'm really hoping for soon um for a while my goal was like to go to LA like after I graduate but now I've had this like weird epiphany where I'm just like waiting for anything to happen and I'm thankful for wherever life takes me in the next year so I'm just kind of like coasting right now but yeah it would be nice to have a cover within the next We'll say five years to give me some leeway.
0: And anything coming down the pipeline or any future projects that are yeah. coming up?
1: Um, So I have the AS220 thing next week. Um, Right now, I'm not sure how long it's on display for, but you can see one of the pictures from the Americans at PVD Art Club. It is for sale, but don't buy it because <laughs> I want to keep it. I was going to say, why should you not buy it? <laughs> I don't know. Hey, go look I mean. at this thing. I really like it. Don't, <laughs> don't buy it. Don't buy it because I want to keep very it. Counterproductive. Only, only if you kept the criteria that I want, you can buy it.
0: <laughs> what is the criteria? Is, is the
1: checklist now. <laughs> um, if if you're Asian, you can buy the photo at DVD Art Club. But yeah, that's another thing. Right now, I'm creative directing and photographing for the Women Project headquarters, which is like a um pro choice group in providence that's been leading all of the protests. Very familiar
0: with that um yep. that group as uh, my best friend Tammy Brown. Oh. Pro- yeah. Yeah. And also former f- former guest on on this show.
1: Awesome. Well yeah, so I'm working with the Women Project right now on a billboard, so y'all will see it up in Providence soon. We did have to reevaluate the billboard because of what happened a few weeks ago, but yeah, we're working on that to put some more pressure on our government. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it for the summer. Um, I'll hopefully have some like more formal large scale exhibitions of the Americans so people can come see it. So like, keep up with me on social media to stay tuned for that.
0: That being said, we're at the, we're at the end. Cool. At the end of the show here. Yay. And, thank um, you. And uh, as, as is tradition on the show. Usually I'm against tradition. I think it's just like dead people's baggage and get over it. But I think I created a <laughs> decent tradition and I didn't even create, it. I stole it. Uh, I stole it from hot ones. Um, you know, it's the, it's the end of the show. We're going to you know leave off with, um, you can say or promote that. You haven't said yeah. anything you wanted before, but you can promote plug, say, leave out whatever you want. So this is just no questions. This is just an open mic. The floor is yours. Go for it.
1: Um, I mean, that's pretty much it. Like I said, I'm hoping to have some more opportunities for people to come see my work. I've had a couple messages about, hey, when's your next show? I couldn't come to the last one. I really want to see your project. It's important. Um, if I don't have anything and you're like dying to see it in person, I'm open to people honestly messaging or emailing me to show some like in-person prints. Um, but I'll just like plug my socials Um, my instagram is kanitha with two a's k-a-n-n-e-t-h-a-a and my website um is in the link of my instagram bio it's www.kanithabrown.com and yeah that's that's i don't have many socials so i think that's it
0: well with that being said Kanita, thank you for coming on the thank show. Thank you for
1: having me. Uh
0: thank you for just talking about your experience and just everything about what, that goes behind the scenes. You know, it being behind the lens in your photography and your work, which is amazing. I I thank went you. to the, thank I you. went that's, that's how we met. We went to the I went to the Cortland Club show because I wanted to check it out. Thank um, you. I and appreciate that. Yeah. Honestly, folks, please follow her, check thank out her you. work. Um, go see it in person, even yes. better. Um, just you know. I guess don't buy that particular picture. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But other than that, you know, buy, buy the stuff and support. Just not that one, but yeah, like anything else, one. buy it, support. <laughs> thank um, you. Because uh, cuz honestly, it's it's it, it's amazing. Thank so you. thank you for coming on. Thank you. And until next time everybody, keep on creating. And that's it for this episode of the Creative Capital show. Thank you for listening, and a special thanks goes to this episode's guest, Kanitha Brown. The Creative Capital Show is hosted, recorded, edited, mixed, and produced by me, Jason Sylvia. You can listen to The Creative Capital Show over at our website, creativecapitalshow.com. We're also available on Anchor FM, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all other major podcast hosting platforms. If you like the show, please subscribe. Helps the show out a lot. And be sure to follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, LinkedIn, and YouTube. I hope you enjoyed the show. And until next time, keep on creating.